Welcome to Bad Patient. Malpractice makes perfect. I'm Robin Donovan. And I'm Lara Bierce. And we are two non-medical, non-experts, sifting through this week's health news. And today's topics are hormones, alcohol, porn, and cancer. Things we would recommend you not mix. I mean... Think about it. Think about it. Probably not. Probably not the best idea. Not all four. You could you could find some some Pick pairings three. in there that work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's our first story? Our first story comes from the Washington Post, and it's ibuprofen appears to mess with male hormones. Should you be worried? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. So there's this thing in journalism. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's Look this me. kind of joke. Well, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody told me once that, like, if there's a question in a headline that the answer, like, the de facto answer is always no. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like, if the answer were yes, they wouldn't put the question in. So it's like, but it doesn't always work. Because sometimes they'll be like, we found a bomb. Is it going to blow up the universe? And, like, obviously not. Unless you're in Hawaii, in which case, you know, I mean, apparently there's all sorts of stuff going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a drill. Yes, it is. We clicked the wrong <laughs> button. It was a drop down. No, It doesn't make any sense. Well, I guess it was like due to the design of the program or whatever, but like they didn't they didn't figure it out for like 38 minutes or something. Yep. Yep, that's a thing. Can you Sorry. imagine like what a bad day that was? I mean, it's a really it's a really bad day. Real bad day. But now I know how to survive a nuclear holocaust cuz I've read up on it. <laughs> what do you do? Um, you should use shampoo, not conditioner. Uh, and you need to stay indoors and try to seal up, uh, your windows and doors as much as possible. Wait, why shampoo, not conditioner? Because conditioner will cause the iodized nuclear bad stuff to cling to you and shampoo would wash it off. Oh, is that really, I mean, okay. But so say that the whole... Say our whole country is radiated and you seal yourself into your house and only use shampoo in your hair. Like you're still going to, I mean, it's going to seep in eventually, right? Like to mitigate, how long? It's to mitigate the initial exposure. Yeah, but like how long does that go on? I don't know, no. but I, it's, I was just, that's just what I was told, Robin. I'm probably no, not going to gonna make it. I'm probably not going to make it. So I probably don't need Sorry. to worry about it. Like, Listen, if the apocalypse happens, I'm not. I yeah. don't have the cardio for this shit. Mm. You're you're good. You'll you'll make it through the first wave. Zombies happen. I'm dead. Just just. <laughs> I, it's not. I'm not. Like you know, survive the night games or you know, like yeah. here comes the second wave. Like I, I died in the first <sighs> wave. <laughs> I I know. I feel like uh, I might have there's some no advantage, scenario. But- there's no scenario in which I make it out. <laughs> I feel I feel like maybe I have like a, a 10 or 15% chance, but my problem is that I don't have any like survival skills. Like I can't really build a fire. 
I do have a water filter and okay, my water filter is like really kick ass because it's not limited by like, you don't have to like pour water. (laughs) I I love this thing. You don't like pour water into it like a pitcher. It's like a big straw. (laughs) And so you can, you don't have to worry about carrying this big thing around because like right in the apocalypse, I'm going to be on the run, right? Like I'm going to have on my sneaky sneakers and my backpack. I'm going to take my straw and my backpacking stove, which I don't know how to use, but I have the stove and I have the fuel and like how hard could it be, right? Really yeah, hard. and then I'm gonna like run into the wilderness or something, well, which is lucky, only gonna. Lucky for you, like, it's, just, it's right outside. I know, I know. Hashtag Pacific Northwest, yay! No, I don't know. Actually, I don't think it would be that great because I don't like. I only have a few things, and I barely know how to use them. But for like the first 24 hours, I think what I would do is just run around to all the puddles and stick my straw in them and drink the water because like you can drink any water. Well. You can drink a lot of water. Like if there's like a crazy like uh something like microbial, I think you're done. You know, like cuz it can't deal with like bac- like all the bacteria, but it like filter stuff out. So, it's pretty exciting and you should get one. It's called Life Straw, I think. Got it on Amazon. Not sponsored, just excited about it cuz we're supposed to like get an earthquake here and like that's very scary to me. And so I was like I should be one percent prepared and so that's what i did i got a straw and and laura i have those emergency blankets that you get like after you run a race like those like a little aluminum things i got a bunch of those and you know what you can do with those oh this is so great (laughs) make make a make a santa suit yeah okay yes but you can also like make a tent out of them like if you have like you know so if you like don't have a tent or you like whatever you can actually like I do like have hang a, I do have a tent. One of my very good friends bought me a tent for my wedding. It was me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that tent was sweet. Also, your wedding was pretty sweet. That's right. It was. It was the sweetest wedding ever. It Four was years ago. Great. Okay, so this article. <laughs> <laughs> Back to it, men and stuff. It's talking about. Uh, they, they did a test, a very small sample size of 35, 31 men under 35 in Denmark and France, and they split them into two groups, even though it was an odd number, um, and they gave them ibuprofen for six weeks, and it discovered that the testosterone hormone dropped in the people who took the ibuprofen. And, essentially, Mm. the results of this study is that there should do more studies. Shocking. That's a shock. (laughs) Shocking. And they're not saying that you shouldn't take ibuprofen, and they're not saying that you should take ibuprofen. They're just saying that you should be conscious of it if you're trying to have a kid. It's main takeaway. I think, what, because they're saying the study is too small for for it to really be... Statistically significant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But... I thought it was just, it just made me think of the um like in the early 2000s when men weren't supposed to put laptops on their lap and or like cell phones in their pocket or whatever yeah and then you're you know you need to have like loose boxers because you can't have anything being constricted gotta get gotta gotta let everybody hang loose okay but this is my question like don't we already have too many people in the world so it's like if 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 like overpopulation is a problem, 
And then we have this thing that, like, maybe is causing sperm counts to be lower. Like, not that we shouldn't care, but, I mean, isn't that good in some ways? I mean, not if I'm trying to have a kid. Yeah, I guess, like, when it's you, it's not cool. Oh, man, dude. I like how there's, like, do you see the dig about athletes in here? Yeah. It was like, while 1,200 milligrams is considered on the high side for general aches, pains, and fevers, it's not unusual for doctors to prescribe twice that much for athletes. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I'm sorry, but no doctor has ever been like, oh, you're an athlete? You're going to need some major pain can- like pain relief here. No one has ever said that. If anything, it's like, oh, you're an athlete? You'll be good. Like, I don't think that they prescribe more. Maybe athletes end up being injured more, so they, like, needed more, but... Yeah. Do you know what the maximum daily dose of ibuprofen is? No. It's 3.2. It'd be like 3,200 milligrams a day. Is that th- is that 3.2 grams? I think so. I don't know. Do I get points for knowing that just like off the top of my head? I mean, it's weird. Why do you know that off the top of your head? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I was like taking a bunch of ibuprofen in college with like the jaw wonkiness and it came up then or something. But I've always like known that. Like I remembered that. Cause, that like, was the, the, other that was the that- one thing you remembered? I mean, there's like three things I remember, but that's like my favorite one of the three. So how many times in conversation have you been able to work that into like just oh, the conversation? I mean, uh, not that often, but it comes up sometimes. Like people will say something like, oh, my God, and they're doing and I'm like, ah, like they're taking so much of this. And I'm like, mm, I mean, technically, that's only like a third of the maximum dose you could take. But OK, this is what I don't get about like the whole the whole thing with that, like. So you can get, like, prescription-strength ibuprofen, which is just a larger pill. Okay. Right? So you can, like, you can go to an actual pharmacy, and, like, they will, well, sometimes when the pharmacist is nice, they will walk you over to the painkiller section and be like, just buy this cheap stuff, but sometimes not. But, like, so obviously you could recreate this scenario by just taking four 200-milligram tablets four times a day, which actually is really super-duper not recommended. Because ibuprofen has been linked to, like, uh, apparently <laughs> low hormone levels, but also, like, some weird, like, cardiac things. And, like, it can cause all sorts of nasty side effects. And That's okay. I don't, I don't yeah. need to worry about that because I took, a, I took a baby aspirin, so I'm good with heart attacks. Right? Baby aspirin? Oh, I <laughs> Yeah. Just go ahead. Sometimes, you know, thinking, like, ah, maybe I'm having... Am I having a heart attack? I don't know. I'm going to pop one of these baby aspirins. It's good for everything, really. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. That's what I've heard. I feel like we're not hearing as much about baby aspirin anymore. Probably because you the know? baby aspirin industry isn't pushing their agenda as much. And why would that be? I don't know. They have already con- converted people. MayoClinic.org. Daily aspirin therapy. Understand the benefits and the risks. Da, 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 da. If you've had a heart attack or stroke, thumbs up. Do it. Can aspirin prevent a heart attack? It's just going to, like, prevent the clotting. Should you take an aspirin, ask your doctor. High risk of heart attack. You have diabetes and at least one other heart attack risk factor, such as smoking or high blood pressure, and you're a man older than 50 or a woman older than 60. If you can remember that whole list, you don't need a baby aspirin. You're fine. <laughs> they make a low-dose aspirin, though, yeah? Yeah, they do. Because they, like, started marketing that, right? Because they're like, ooh, we can, like, sell smaller doses of aspirin for more money if we're like, ooh, this is, like, the daily aspirin therapy bottle as opposed to, like, just cut one in half or something. 
Yeah. But hey, the USPSTF actually recommends it for certain things. Hmm. Okay, so I guess the whole baby aspirin thing is still with us. I think it maybe just like lost its sexiness in the news cycle and we stopped talking about it. So good on the aspirin lobbyist. <laughs> Get back I on mean, that I guess. shit. Get yeah. back on that shit. Come on, Bayer. This aspirin isn't going to sell itself. I mean, I have started feeling like aspirin might be a better option than ibuprofen, although that's kind of a vague sense as opposed to an actual, like, data-driven decision. You know, I just, like, I don't take that stuff a lot, but when I do, I would just kind of like to know, like, if it's between, like, all the different types, you know, aspirin, whatever, acetaminophen, ibuprofen, naproxen, like, what, which one should I take if if I don't care which one I take? You know, it's very weird yeah. that we don't, we kind of don't know. And they're like, they can't be the same. So I'm like, can someone please figure this out? But I've been kind of defaulting to either aspirin or acetaminophen lately. I feel like ibuprofen is really hard on your digestive system or like, I don't know, it just kind of freaks me out. But anyway, I feel like the study... Is there a place for me to... You, you know what question I'm going to ask. <laughs> is there a link to the study? Is there a link to the study? I think there is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you should see all the last names on this. It's like... Dahlgaard. Like very uh, Dutch sounding names, maybe. Like I don't I don't know about this. It says much concern has been raised over declining male reproductive health. I don't know if I've just had my head under a rock, but I've had your head not. under a rock. Really? Yeah, it's a conspiracy theory. <gasps> oh, that like the government's trying to con- wait. If the government was trying to control us, though, wouldn't they want there to be more babies? No, they're they're purposely trying to prevent certain populations from not producing as many babies. Oh. Oh. Dude. Okay, if I was going to be like a conspiracy theorist, that's not the worst. That's not the worst conspiracy idea. And there's, you know, different ways that that's given to us, you know. Yeah. Well, and the government really did used to, like, experiment on people without their consent, like prisoners and minorities and all sorts of horrificness, so... I guess it's unfortunately not that far-fetched. I just can't do the whole conspiracy thing because, like, I want to believe in, like, 0.5% of conspiracies because some of them have to be true, right? But I feel like once you believe in one, then there's no way to rule out any of the others. Like, if a conspiracy is a possibility, then everything's a conspiracy. What are you trying to say about Nessie? What's Nessie? Loch Ness Monster? Um... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Sasquatch is really popular out here for some reason, so. It's because he hangs out in your neighborhood. Yeah. A lot of people, like, a lot of people have Sasquatch bumper stickers. And one of my friend has a, com- my friend has a company called Sasquatch Sauces that makes, like, barbecue sauce and cocktail sauce and stuff. Yep. Yep. So. What's the, what's the Loch Ness deal? 
that there's a a monster in in the in the in the nest lock. What's the nest lock? I mean, it's, it's like a lake. It's a, it's a Scottish lake. That's what they they're called locks. Hmm. Show enough. A large, deep fresh freshwater lock in the Scottish Highlands, extending for approximately twenty three miles southwest of Inverness. Well, well, well. Alleged sightings of the cryptozoological Loch Ness monster. Cryptozoological. I could guess what that means, but that would take time and talent that I don't have. <laughs> Affectionately known as Nessie. Good reference. Yeah. Yeah, you win. All right. You ready for your next episode article? <laughs> episode or article, I'm ready. All right. This one comes from the New York Daily News, and it's under current law, drivers may face criminal charges if they get behind the wheel with point. 0.08% blood alcohol content, which is considered legally impaired. That's a mm-hmm. new uh, government panel suggested that they raise taxes on booze um, and lower the blood alcohol content threshold to reduce drunk driving deaths across the nation. Yeah, and this was like a big story this week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people have been talking about this a lot. Well, <laughs> people I know have been talking about this a lot. Yeah, because more than 10,000 people die a year from alcohol-related driving incidents, and they are, quote, entirely preventable. Um, And it's a 498-page report by the panel of the National Academics of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. Which they don't link to. They don't even link to the the release by that. They should link to the release. Um, the National Academy's panel recommend lowering the threshold to 0.05%. Utah adopted the new number, but it doesn't go into effect until December 30th. Um, so that would make a 150 pound man who might be over the limit after two and a 120 pound woman could exceed that after a single drink. So needless to say, some people in different <laughs> industries uh disagree with not this. a fan not a fan um <laughs> so uh alcohol and restaurant industries are against this this new um the, this new policy um but it it's talking about the um necessity due to uh impairment in driving so hmm you can drink yeah. as much as you want. You just can't get behind the wheel. I mean, that's really the thing, right? Like, I know. Yeah. Well, so actually, um, I was looking at a portfolio by like a freelance writer I was thinking about using this week, and she had written a piece for a newspaper about blood alcohol levels in the past. And she did like an informal kind of test where she went to a cocktail party and had a couple glasses of wine and some cheese and crackers over a couple hours. And then they had a breathalyzer and they like breathalyzed everyone at the party asking people like right now, could you drive? And there, she said there was like a fair chunk of people that were like, yeah, I can drive that were over the point, the 0.08 limit, mm-hmm. which I guess the article was saying turned out to be partially because 
it's really hard to know how much alcohol you could have. There's no perfect formula because it depends on your metabolic rate and how much activity you did that day and how much you've eaten and all these other factors. But also, of course, paradoxically, the alcohol impairs your ability to determine how impaired you are. So the more you drink, the less able you are to tell whether or not you're drunk. So Mm -hmm. there might be like, it's like hard for people to figure out that line. But yeah, I mean, 0.08 is like really, really low, I would say. Yeah. So. What do you think? Do you like it or do you not like it? I mean, I like it because I think that you shouldn't drive impaired because you not only hurt yourself, but you have the potential to hurt somebody who's completely sober. Um, you know, and so yeah. a lot of, a lot of deaths, you always read like, you know, the other driver is killed and then the drunk driver has to live with that guilt. So, um, making it lower. So like, you know, like if you've had anything to drink, maybe you should not drive. So I'm a big proponent yeah. of having a designated driver and, you know, call an Uber or a Lyft yeah. or make sure somebody takes that designation. Um, so like the real goal of this is to have zero alcohol impaired driving fatalities, um, which seems like a pie in the sky, uh, thing, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's, I, it's reasonable because, you know, if you don't get behind it's the wheel. It's reasonable to try. Yeah. If you don't get behind the wheel, it's not saying like you, that you can't drink. It's just don't get behind the wheel then, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. And I kind of think maybe it would be better if we, like you said, move to a culture of if you've had a drink this evening, then tonight is not a good time to drive. Right. Exactly. Because I... The other thing is, like, if you can afford to go out somewhere and buy a drink, then, like, maybe you should be also planning for the lift home or the cab or whatever. Or just you could have someone like me who doesn't drink a lot who could drive you home or something. I don't know. But, yeah, it's 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 kind of a tough thing. I mean, I, I think I'm less a fan of the idea that you can't – like, there's – like, taxes, you know, whatever. But, like – Reducing the hours and days that alcohol is sold, I think is kind of, to me, I'm sure that would work, you know, because you're going to catch some people who are like, it's a Sunday and I was going to go and have brunch and cocktails with my friend, but the store, you know, the store won't sell it to me. So I guess now we're not going to, like, you'll just, you'll catch people off guard and so they won't, they'll drink less. But it seems, I remember when I was like living in Ohio and like grocery shopping there. And there were times when it was just like so annoying. You know, you're like, oh my God, this isn't even for today. I just like, I'm grocery shopping and it happens to be a Sunday or whatever. Or was that in Kentucky? I can't remember. I don't even know. There was a time when we couldn't and it was just like, I feel like that starts to get into like an overreach a little bit, you know, or it's like really, but I don't know. Because then it starts being like, well, if we're going to make people like it harder for it to people to buy it, and maybe we just make it so they can't buy it at all, and then it's prohibition, and then we get the mafia. Well, I was going to say you move to Portland and we open up a speakeasy, but sure, we become the mafia. Your scenario's fun too. <laughs> I like it. All right, you ready? Yeah. For the next one? Yep. I mean. I guess, yeah. Okay, one other thing, though, that I think we need is, like, more people with little things in their keychain to just test it. Because I always think, like, well, why do we why do we guess? Like, why don't we just 
Like, why don't we just make these cheap and easily available and people could have them and you could just be like, oh, I'm going to drive home. You're like, oh, well, just check it out and make sure you're good. Like, how hard would that be? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very reasonable. Like, why do we all, why do we all guess? It's like, well, I might, if if I, like, I think I'm okay. And if I'm wrong, I might kill someone. But anyway, no need, no need to verify. I'll just go with my guess. Like, that's seriously what we say. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be like if your do- your doctor was like, well, you you need this x-ray, and if if you don't get it, you're going to die. But how about instead I just put my ear against your chest, and, and I'll just, if you have pneumonia, I'll, I'll guess, and I might be right. Like, it's, it's really archaic. Now I can move on. Okay. <laughs> um. So our next one comes from... Uh, a local news station in Florida, Tallahassee, Fox 13 News. Um, a Florida legislator could declare pornography a health risk. Um, like for the people watching it or the people in it? Uh, watching it. So Florida could declare pornography a public health risk and, that needs education, research, and policy changes to protect Floridians. Um, it was a new resolution passed by the House, a House committee, and it was passed 18 to 1, and the one vote no was a medical doctor. <laughs> Get it, Carrie. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 uh, uh, the resolution spells out those risks and several others, including the increased demand for prostitution. Also says that young children being exposed to pornography at a younger age because of the advancement of technology. Um, but the medical doctor voted no because he thought there are more important health issues that the state should be focused on. Um, hypertension with Hallelujah. obesity, diabetes, yeah. and, and uh, Zika. Um and saying the environment, uh, making it a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like if we're super concerned about this type of thing, I would be super concerned about human trafficking first. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're saying it's a, it's a public health risk for children. They're not saying it's a public health risk for everyone, just for children. I mean, it causes it causes different things. <sighs> well, I wish they would. I mean, I wish if they're going to address this, they would just address the whole thing, which is like that there's a number of practices in that industry, particularly like um, not using condoms when they're when they're filming scenes and stuff that put the performers at great risk and even though they're like many of them have said like well i'm tested regularly so it's okay the truth is that the infection could obviously develop in between the testing periods and so it can be it can be unsafe uh for the people involved and there's also like people can become addicted to that content so you can have like that as a problem and yes it's probably they're telling us it's not ideal for children to view it uh so if we take them at their word on that fine but it's weird to me to just say, like, it's bad for kids. I'm like, well, there's there's good things and there's bad things about it. But, like, I, I – this is just – this feels very political to me and not very health-related. Yeah, but it showed up in my health news. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not saying it's not a good story. I'm saying, like, I think sometimes they try to politicize something when it's really a moral – in their minds, like, it's a moral issue. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, like, I, I want to get this stuff 
out, you know, out of public consumption. And so they're like, it's about the health of our children. You know, I'm like, I want to Google, is pornography bad for children? But I'm like, kind of afraid of Googling something with porn and the word child in it. Like, I don't even, like, I was about to do it. And then I kind of hesitated because I was like, uh, what, you know? Well, well, Florida is now going to do more research on that, apparently. (laughs) God. Oh, man. Effects of pornography. So I googled health risks of pornography to get around the child thing. (laughs) Yeah. Addiction. Sexual violence. Sexual violence. School-aged juveniles. Okay, so I found, like, the Wikipedia page is saying that there have been studies linking pornography to unrealistic attitudes about sex, objectification of women, more frequent thoughts about sex, which I don't know if that's really a a public health risk. I found that children and young people who view pornography tend to hold less progressive gender role attitudes. But not possible to establish causation from correlational studies. You know what this reminds me a lot of? What? Like, in terms of, poli- like, politicization. Is that a word? Sure. And, and like, linking children in is the... A few years ago, there was, like, this big kerfuffle about video games and kids and, like, would playing a violent video game cause a child to develop violent tendencies in real life? Because I had, like, a professor in journalism school who did research showing that there wasn't a link and was somewhat adamant about that. But I haven't looked into it recently. But somehow, like, the the kind of, like, moralistic tone of the story, I like, reminds me of that a little bit. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What is a public health risk? I mean, something that puts the public in general in danger of lack of health? I don't... That's a good question. How is pornography, like, doing that? Well, I mean, I think, like, what I said about the performers and, like, like not using safe sex practices could be... Yes, but that's not the public. That's an industry. Mm, True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I've heard that like, coal mining are is coercive. more is dangerous, but it doesn't mean it's dangerous to me because mm. there are you know inherent risks with with the with that industry. But that doesn't yeah. make coal mining a public health risk. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that it is like a. Ri- I mean, I was going to say mean, they well, just you just voted become... eighteen to one that it is. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Florida, dude. They've got all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I mean, no, I, would, I think I would think alligators would be a bigger public health risk, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah, because you can get addicted to that alligator meat, and then you're just like all day long. You're like, I want to get. I don't even know. No, okay. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things that are bigger public health risk. I was just trying to let you think, like, how could it be? I mean, you could be addicted to it, but you could also be addicted to Captain Crunch. You know, so I don't know that, like, it's specifically, I mean, to me, it's not a public health risk, but. Florida disagrees with you. 
possibly. I mean, there's definitely like a just, could in this in this headline. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would want to see the data behind that. Like, I don't want someone to just. Unfortunately, it's politics, so I don't believe there is data that backs up that I statement. Know. They're just like, well, studies have shown, like, show me the studies. Cause I also think there's, there's a freedom of speech and freedom of expression argument to be made here that, like, we don't want to limit. Yes, but, uh, the First Amendment does not, um, include obscenities all the time. That's why they can mm. limit who can and can't yeah. watch porn. Yeah, and I guess that is kind of the question, you know, like if it's online, is there is there a, is there a realistic way to limit children's exposure to anything online? You know, like no matter what you do, a kid can find an internet connection like with a friend at the library, grabbing their parents' phone, like just computer at school. I mean, I know they try to block this stuff in certain places, but there probably is no realistic way. Yeah. But I feel like maybe then it's like have a conversation with your child about like what this content is and what it means. Like I don't know if I don't know if banning it is the answer. Yeah. Cuz honestly, it's always going to be online. Yeah. Like even if Florida gets it declared whatever, that, that's not going to stop someone in the rest of the US or another country or like whatever. I do like the fact that the picture included in this uh article is over 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last time anyone saw a porn actress in person. Apparently. It's it's a weird picture, too, because, like, they're showing people taking a picture of them, but it's just the women, the back of their heads. Yeah. Oh, maybe the front view wasn't family friendly. Probably Although, not. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I... I'm sure they're wearing clothes, like... It was at a porn convention. They might be topless. Oh. That one girl, though, I can see her woman. I can see her, or maybe that's oh, maybe that's her name tag. All right, I feel like I'm looking at this picture too much now. <laughs> it's in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's at the Sands Convention Center. I've been there. Yeah, for the porn. All convention. right, <laughs> truth comes out. Right, all those quote unquote trade shows I go to. Yeah. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Mm. All Insanity right. has never been found to be a constitutional right. I don't think I knew this thing about obscenity. I guess it makes sense. Like, you can't just have obscenity anywhere. But is, nudi- is nudity obscenity? What is obscenity exactly? Oh, here we go. The next thing I, the next thing I Google, what is, what is obscenity? The state or quality of being obscene. Any utterance or act that strongly offends the prevalent morality of the time. Yeah. It's some value-laden you-know-what. Yeah. All right. right. You good? Yeah, I mean, like, confused, but good, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Our last article comes from ConsumerHealthDay.com, and it is, These foods may up your odds for colon cancer. Jesus. Once again, we got red meat, white bread, and sugar-laden drinks may increase your long-term risk of colon cancer, a new study suggests. Yeah. No, that's true. I've seen this before. Yeah. Not this piece, but... Yeah. Um, And basically, it's just saying what people have said all the time. Shouldn't eat white 
white bread, red meat, and sugary drinks. Here's another reason why not to. Yeah. So, um, to test the possible connection, the research gathered data on more than 121,000 people from two studies, which uh, tracked people for a quarter of a century and looked for potential influences on their health. So, um... A quarter of a century? What is this? How many of those... I mean, I guess they started when the people were young. Yeah. <laughs> Richardson filled out four food questionnaires every four years, and those questionnaires helped researchers determine if there was... Uh, determine a dietary inflammation score for each person. There were 2,699 cancer cases of... Uh, col- 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 colorectal, <laughs> yes, by cancer, and thirty-seven <laughs> um, percent of the people who ate inflammatory foods were more likely to develop colon cancer, and seventy percent were more likely to develop rectal cancer compared to those who had low lowest infl- inflammation diet scores. Yeah. Um, well, and I think. Like, they're saying that that it's all about reducing inflammation, but I heard or read somewhere that part of it is is also that healthier foods with higher fiber content tend to move things, like, move waste products through the colon faster, so that, like, um, so that, like, there's less chance of, like, polyps, which can later become cancer-forming. It's, like, it's like when things are more, I guess there's probably a limit to how fast you want things to move through that part of your body, but, but to the extent that fiber kind of helps keep things from like sticking around out, too long. Yeah, that's good. Um, so green leafy vegetables, dark yellow vegetables, whole grains and coffee and fruit appear to have reduced, appear to reduce inflammation. However, the did have some odd findings. Would you like to know them? This is my favorite yes. part. Uh, pizza! Pizza was, was said to yes! reduce inflammation, even though it was made up of the d- individual and items known to increase. <laughs> pizza? Pizza as a whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And tomatoes cropped up as a cause of inflammation. Oh, because they're acidic. Well, no. They're acidic? No. no. I mean, it's still a vegetable or whatever. I don't know. Technically, it's a fruit. But there's their takeaway is that it's not saying that you should eat uh, pizza or not. Um, and not tomatoes. <laughs> They're just saying, like, <laughs> gotta be conscious of what you're eating. Wait, why are tomatoes an inflammatory food? It's gotta be the acid. I don't know. That just doesn't make sense to me. It was one of the odd, odd things determined from it. I mean, it should be, like, Things in things with antioxidants should help reduce inflammation. Yeah, but you know what pizza has tomato paste what? on it. So how can pizza reduce but also raise? That doesn't make any know. sense. And it's got like white bread essentially, right? Like the dough. Yeah. I mean. Are they? Sh- I mean, I get twenty-five years of like one hundred and twenty-one thousand people. I guess they're, dude. I mean, we might not like it, but we're gonna have to eat more pizza. I mean, which I think we're willing to do for our health, right? I mean, for my health, no other reason. Yeah, 
I otherwise I would strictly avoid. But Absolutely. knowing now as I do that it's helpful. Now I know. Hmm. This changes everything. Yeah. Well now I'm glad we always eat pizza when we hang out. Wait. Ugh. Another one that doesn't link to anything, which isn't even good SEO, okay? Just link to stuff, people. Like, just link to the thing. All The very last line in the, in the article is, the study was published online January 18th in the journal JAMA Oncology. I mean, I think we need a different headline. Pizza, not an inflammatory food. Pizza yeah? saves you from butt cancer. I think butt cancer should have been your keyword for this story. Oh, man. I like how they're saying, they're like, don't do not do specific things based on this study, but you and I are both like, let's get some pizza right now. Don't tell me what to do, website. <laughs> You're not my mom. <laughs> These things add up. Giovannucci explained you can't single one thing out. Okay. It's important just- to focus on the overall pro- it's wait listen to this quote it's important to focus on the overall pro-inflammatory diet do they mean do they mean anti-inflammatory diet i don't know what pro-inflammatory or maybe they're saying you focus on the things that cause inflammation and thereby avoid them that's very that's very that's not a very good quote hmm Sounds like oh, somebody, and they didn't. Uh, sounds like somebody what? Sounds like somebody needs a follow up article. Mm hmm. <laughs> and they didn't. They didn't take into account food preparation methods or spices. Man, that's so like that's because the study is twenty five years, and you you're gonna ask people <laughs> on like a very general yeah. level, like how much pizza do you eat? What spices do you use? Like, that's just way too much, man. People, so now... They can do another yeah, this, study that just focuses on that with less people for less time. How about that? They need to do a study on red pepper flakes on pizza, because that's what I like, and I want to know. Is that going to... Am I going to go back into the inflama- inflammatory category if I put the red pepper flakes on? Or still am I going to be good? We just need a study on pizza. How can we eat more of it? You know? Yes. I agree. That's a brilliant idea. I also just want to know I'd how like they follow this many people for, for this long. <laughs> I'd like to volunteer for yeah. that study. You know, right after I get my free Fitbit, I'm going to volunteer for that study. We never did get our free Fitbits. No, they haven't signed up in my area, but I am on their way on their interest list. <laughs> I'm not because there was something that said I had to go somewhere and like pee in a cup. And I was like, forget this. I don't even want a Fitbit. I have my cool watch now that does all the things, and I don't need their stupid Fitbit, and I'm not peeing in a cup for anybody. I'm not doing it. Well, you let me know when your was comes, though. <laughs> that's the difference between you and me, and I said, pee in a cup, sign me up. <laughs> Any, anytime, anywhere. <laughs> Give me a gallon of water, and we're good to go. Jeez. Man... I just kind of want to know, like, more about what they found. Like, 25 years, they must have found some wacky stuff. Absolutely. You know? I'm sure there's still research and shit. Uh, okay. 
So it was 121,000 people, and 2,699 of them got colorectal cancer in the in the time frame. Yep. That must suck. They're like, hey, we're doing a study on who's going to develop colon cancer. And you're like, great, no big deal. Won't be me. And then you sign up and you're like, oh, I actually did get it. Oh, no. Like, wh- See, I interpret it a different way. They're <laughs> just saying that? they're doing like a study and then they, they use this data and multiple researchers try to find um, correlation between things. It just oh. reminds me of like the study that I'm a part of, right? Every year. Right. I give data or whatever, and I'm sure it's used by multiple research groups. Right. So, yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. So they they didn't take the 2,699 people who got cancer and focused on those people. Yeah. That would be my interpretation of what happened. Your story is good, too, but it it seems sadder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Because it it wouldn't be worth it to follow people for 25 years and only track one thing. They're probably tracking everything. Yeah. Wait, wasn't there a study where they tracked men for a really long time, for like 50 years? Like, there's a study they tracked men for like their entire adult lives. Okay. And they found like this really cool stuff. Okay, 80 years, a Harvard study. They've been tracking men. And it's, it's about like longevity and happiness and like aging. So it's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. Yeah. And they followed the men for almost eight decades. And there, there's like a few of them who are still alive and they're in their mid-90s. Isn't that the amazing? So just so you know, you think you're going to be done with your study at a certain point. You're going to be like 96 and they're going to be like, Laura, Laura Beers, can you fill out your survey? And you're going to be like, God damn it, I'm sick of filling out this survey. <laughs> no, I'm going to say, where's my $5 Amazon gift card? Did they give you $5? Yeah. But did they give you $5 up front or only if you send it in? Only if I do it. Oh, man. <laughs> They're really holding your feet to the fire. Well, now it's online. Oh, okay. So then they send me the, like, J273-652. Twelve seven dash, you know, like yeah, the gift card that's like twenty twenty six characters long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five dollars. You got you got to fill out these surveys for your whole life, and you're gonna get like two hundred bucks. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be for my whole life, but they send you enough emails that they get annoying. You're like, okay, fine, I'll do your dumb survey. <laughs> Oh, man. They should track that as the years go on. Do they have to send you more and more emails to get you to do Like, the first year, you just did it. You were excited. And, like, the 23rd year, you know, it takes 17 emails and, like, a scary person coming to your door to get you to do it. Now they keep insisting that I update my address and contact information for someone who can verify where I am. They're very serious (laughs) about keeping track of me. That's how I know I won't get kidnapped because they'll know. (laughs) <laughs> and they'll be like we need this data you'll be like i'm sorry i need to fill out this this form guys <laughs> uh i know yeah well, you can keep kidnapping me in five minutes but right now can, does anyone have a scale i need to update my bmi <laughs> man oh man Well, I hope you don't become a cancer statistic. Don't do that. No. 
I hope not. We just got Wait, a we just got story? a link from our producer. Okay, that must mean that it's time for us to wrap up. <laughs> okay, so I think I've had enough bad patienting for today, Laura. Me so too. <laughs> great! Oh, look, uh, look at the link. The Up series is a documentary film that has followed f- fourteen British children since nineteen sixty four. It's it's a documentary that spanned forty nine years. It's one episode every seven years. Oh yeah, I watched that. It's on Netflix, or it was on Netflix. I mean, it, listen, it's no 80-year study, but they did videotape them, so that's cool. That's cool. I like it. Yeah. Now that's enough bad patienting for one <laughs> oh, week. That, now it's enough. Now it's enough. Yeah. Okay, so if you guys want to connect with us, um, you can listen online through the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, anywhere you get podcasts. You can... Um, rate, share, and subscribe to the podcast, and that would make us super happy. You can visit us online at thebadpatient.com. You can email us at hello at thebadpatient.com, and you can tweet us at thebadpatient on Twitter, because where else would you be tweeting? <laughs> so until next time, we are bad patients. Malpractice makes perfect. <laughs> <laughs>